0: So tonight, as we're uh, passing these out, I want to make you aware of a few things. Number one is that uh, this Friday night, September the 22nd, the young at heart will meet here at the church at 630. Uh, so that'll be bring a potluck dish um, and games, and we'll be here Friday night at 630. Uh, the ladies' Canton shopping trip, September the 28th through the 30th. The details are in your bulletin about that. So if you've signed up for that and paid your deposits or if you have any questions Be sure and talk to one of our women's leaders there um, Fall Fest hard to believe but not too long from now. We're going to be Getting ready for fall fest. So we wrote in here what everyone did last year And so if they, if you want to work with one of these booths or maybe if you want to do something different Just let us know so we can get it in here um, What else we got? Oh um, Monday night, this coming Monday night, there'll be a prayer emphasis meeting. Uh, it's a ministers' meeting up in Jasper, so if you can make that, uh, we'll have we're going to have a night of prayer up there. So those are the things that are that are going on. Uh, there's a missions run September uh, Saturday, August the twenty eighth, so that's there as well. I also huh? did I say August? I meant October. We don't, we don't plan that far out. <laughs> she enjoyed that a little too much. Uh, so uh, anyway, those things are in your bulletin. Uh, just wanted to remind you about that. Also wanted to uh, remind you about Sunday school. We'll have our Sunday school promotion Sunday, October the 1st. That'll be before the you know, after Sunday school and before the service, so um, be sure and uh, what am I forgetting? Oh. This Sunday night, this Sunday night uh, is our uh, birthday and anniversary celebration. Before that, we're going to come in the, in the sanctuary here. Huh? I did. Um, of course, I did. If you let me have one two weeks in a row, they're not going to be the same. I make up a bunch more stuff. Um, but. Um, this Sunday night, we'll, have, we'll come in here, we'll sing a few songs, and then after that, we're going to have a water baptism service. So if you've, if you've never been baptized in water, or if you just, it's water baptism is the answer of a good conscience before God. And if you would like to be water baptized, then we're going to do that this Sunday night. Um, it'll be, you know, during the regular service time. and Then after the water baptismal service, we'll go to the back and have our birthday and anniversary celebration. I understand the women have the thing, and it's going to be, chicken spaghetti somebody said is that right regular, spaghetti. regular regular spaghetti and chicken spaghetti so so you get to get two helpings probably not okay i don't know that i in i, I told y'all last week that i this is this is my bible study i didn't um this is just something that the Lord has been impressing or working with me with and I wrote it down and thought you might be interested in going through it too, but it's, it's, a, it's turned out to be quite a challenge to me. But uh, we're going to go through it tonight and we're going to we'll, we'll finish it tonight. We started last week, we'll finish this week and um, it's on two trees. So let's begin with a word of prayer, ask the Lord to help me <laughs> make sense out of this. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And, God, we just pray now that you direct us, lead us, and guide us, Oh God. Help us, Oh God, to understand, Father, the things that you would desire out of this, out of this study, God. And let your Holy Spirit lead us every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, does anybody, did, did anybody from last week have any questions that they would like to express this week? Or... That I do such a great job That all of you are clear So let's go to Genesis Let's go to Genesis The first book in your Bible And let's go Let's start with Genesis chapter 2 It's on page 2 Amazing Genesis chapter 2 On page 2 in this Bible And let's, let's just read about this Once again Genesis 2, 8 said, And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that's pleasant in the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If we bounce down to verse 16, it says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we know that Eve partook of the fruit, and then Adam partook from her. And exactly what the Lord said happened at that particular moment. They died spiritually. Their spirit man died. Their flesh man came alive. They surrendered dominion of the earth to the devil. And God drove them out of the garden. And then they began to die physically It took Adam about 965 years To get it done But he eventually died And so That came from eating of the tree Of the knowledge of good and evil And not from the tree of life And so The question that came up in my mind That started this whole thought process for me Was Do those two options exist today Do the, do the options exist today For me to in the, in the case of following the Lord, does the option exist for me to either follow the tree of life or to follow the knowledge of good and evil? And I think the, the answer to that is yes. If you, go down, if you go down halfway on your sheet, we're going to skip this on the top because we talked about that week, last week. It says two trees, one to be eaten in faith of eternal life to be given by God and one to be given knowledge of good and evil. So let's talk about that for just a second. The, the Bible tells us very specifically in the book of Ephesians how we are saved. And it says we are saved by faith and specifically not by works. You are specifically saved by faith and you're specifically not saved by works. So someone who thinks that they can be good enough by the works that they do, or that they can, they can volunteer enough time, or they can give enough of their finances, or they can, they can attend church enough that they can by somehow by a work obtain salvation. The Bible specifically says you cannot. And to think that you can is to partake of the tree of knowledge because you think that if you can get smart enough, good enough, all of those things that somehow you can obtain you can attain a, a, an equality with God. You can attain a, a place in the kingdom of God. And the Bible says there's only one way to, to God, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. By faith are you saved and not by works. You know, there's only one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved, and it's the name of Jesus Christ. And so that those trees of knowledge and the tree of faith still exist today. Because if you're going to be saved... You're going to have to do it through faith. I know, that, I, know, I know whenever you ask the Lord into your heart, most of the time people have a, a feeling. They feel the release of sin and they feel the, the change of life. They feel, they feel that the old man dies and the new man comes alive. They experience that. But when you walk out the door... If you let your mind start talking to you, it can almost convince you that you didn't, right? And then you start trying to gauge your growth in Christ by works. If things start falling apart in your life, what's the first thing you say? What have I done wrong, right? What did I do wrong? You know, we, we gauge it by works. And, and that's not the proper way to do it because if we're gauging ourselves by works, then it's not of faith. Does that make sense or is that that weird Okay, so uh, faith on your sheet in its simplest terms faith is simply believing in God's word and knowing that God will do what he said he could do if if God said it I know it's a good bumper sticker if God said it I believe it that settles it that's a great bumper sticker most people can't do it but it's a great bumper sticker that is faith if God says he's going to do something then you just know he's going to do it. God doesn't lie and I keep believing. Right? That's faith. But if I start trying to make it happen, and we talked last week and let's let's go back there for just a minute to Luke chapter 18. Let's go back there for just a minute. Luke 18 Matthew, Mark, Luke Luke 18 talks about a woman that the Bible calls, what does he call her, a widow in the city. Luke 18, verse 1 says, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought to pray, and not to faint, saying, There was in the city a judge, which feared not God, nor regarded men. And there was a widow in the city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with him? Verse 8 says, I tell you that he will speak, avenge, avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. The demonstration of faith is not a continual work. She didn't demonstrate faith because she continually pounded on his door. She, ex- she de- demonstrated a work, right? Because she said, I'll pester the snot out of you until you give me what I want. And, she, and it's like a little kid in the, in the grocery store that, that wants a zero bar. Huh, Kathy? <laughs> and won't leave you alone until you tell him he can have that $2.19 candy bar because you're going to pester me to death. Well, that's not faith. That's works. That's a continual pest trying to get, get it, make it happen your way. Make it happen. Make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. Whereas faith says, I've touched God. I know God heard my prayer. He gave me the assurance that he's going to bring it to pass. And so now I rest in that. You see the difference between faith and works? Works continually beats on the door and says, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it in the, in the natural. Whereas faith says, God said, he's going to give it to me and I simply follow his will. Because God doesn't lie and I'm not going to stop believing. Let's, let's go back. We're, we're going to come back here, so keep your finger there. But I want to go to Matthew, one of the new scriptures that I put up there for whoever asked. I want to go to Matthew chapter six for just a moment. Let me make sure that's where I'm going. Yeah, Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount. Matthew, first book of the New Testament, chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. As we go through chapter 6, we come to uh, verse uh, verse 7. He says, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, For what? They think they'll be heard for their much speaking. They think that somehow they can tell God, avenge me of my enemy, avenge me, 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 me." and he'll just avenge them because he gets tired of hearing them. They think they'll be heard for their much speaking. You know, I, I firmly believe that whenever someone comes to the front, we should pray for them until we feel like God's touched them. We should pray for them until we feel the release of the Spirit. We should, we should continually labor in prayer together. But if God simply wants us to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal them, and that's it, then to continue after that. Are you, are you with me? There's nothing wrong with, with getting down here and interceding and really going after it with the Lord. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's certainly good, and I certainly love it. And it's to be done, but there may be a time in your life whenever you simply say, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal them. And if you continue, and, and you know that God's you know that that's all God wants you to say. You know it's done. You know it's finished, you know God's done the work. And to continue to talk after that is thinking that you'll be heard for your much saying. Does that make sense? Yes. When when God does the work, then God gets the glory. We don't continue to, to, to go beyond what we know God has done thinking that somehow God will be moved by our much speaking. That God will suddenly, you know, I've heard people say this, oh, they, man, you ought to hear them pray. Wow. I don't even want to pray after they get through. They pray such beautiful, eloquent prayers. And that's, that's great. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not faulting that. I think that's great. That's wonderful. But if in your mind... You think that because you can pray like that, somehow it makes you better, makes your prayers more effective because you know how to put together the these and the thous and make it all sound right. You know, if you think somehow that makes you more effective in your prayer, then you've lost the essence of prayer. Prayer by faith is what moves the hand of God, not whether or not I can put together a nice few sentences. Does that make sense? He's looking on my heart. He wants to know what's in here, not what I can generate up here. And as long as it's from my heart, if it's if it's five words or five hundred words, and if sometimes they don't even you know, I was praying this morning. I was I was in here praying this morning, and I'd been praying for a while, and and all of a sudden I realized that I had just I had just gone through a. I said, Lord, if. if if you answer everything I've asked you about this morning, man, we're, <laughs> we'll, we'll, have, we'll have the whole world say it. <laughs> I wasn't praying just to pray. I was just praying as the Holy Spirit gave utterance, and the Holy Spirit was directing me all, all kind of places, and I, and I, and I knew it was in the Lord, and I, I knew I was in faith, and, and it was a lot of words. Yeah, it was a lot of words, but they were all spoken in faith, and they were spoken at the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and they were not in vain. But if I was just trying to fill 30 minutes and I was just saying, oh, praise you God, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How much longer we got here? You know, those are just words spoken in vain. They're just, and those words don't get heard. Let, let's, let's go back to Luke. God, God's, uh, he put this, the Bible together so well. He needs to be commended for the good job he did on that. That right after this talk about words, he gives us an example. Verse 9, Luke 18, verse 9 is where I'm at. Is everybody there? Is that where you're at? Luke 18, verse 9. Yeah, 18. I'm on Luke 18, verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed with who? He's praying with himself. If we're not careful, we we pray to, we'll pray with ourselves. He, he, what did he say? God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men or extortioners, unjust, ultras, and even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all I possess. So, how is he? What is he using to commend himself? Faith or works? works. He's using works. He's saying, Lord, I fast. Lord, I give all my tithes. Lord, I work with the royal strangers. Lord, I keep up with the nursery. God, I attend your house every time the door is open. God, I even, I even gave an extra $5 to missions last month. And the Lord said, whenever you pray like that, commending your own works, then you're not praying to him. You're commending yourself. You're giving glory unto yourself. There's, a, there's another parable in here about a man who has barns. Remember that? He has barns. And they're full of stuff. And he says, I don't know what I'm going to do. My barns are full of stuff. Then he goes, oh yeah, this is what I'll do. I'll build, I'll tear down these barns and I'll build better barns and I'll, and I'll have more stuff so that whenever I get old, I'll have enough stuff to, so I can enjoy my life. And the Bible calls him a fool. Why does the Bible call him a fool? Because he's judging himself on the things he can do for himself. So he is judging whether or not he is blessed by the things that he has, by the by the extravagance that he's able to live in. You know, there for a while, we had we had people drawing BMWs and Mercedes in their driveways. Y'all probably don't remember all that, do you? Prosperity doctrine that came through. Oh, God wants everybody to live in a nice house and drive a nice car, and literally people were putting blocks in their, drawing squares in their driveway and every morning go out and saying, God, I thank you for this Mercedes that's going to sit right here. Judging their spirituality on their prosperity. And that doesn't give God glory. That's a work. That's not faith. And to follow after the works of the flesh, if you follow the works of the flesh, the Bible says you'll die. But if you live after the works of the spirit, you'll live. And the works of the Spirit always accompany, are always accompanied by faith. Does that make sense? So let's look at Hebrews. You're in, you're in Luke. Go back to the back a few more pages and we're going to just do a real quick study here on faith. So if I'm telling you that you need to pray in faith, believe in faith, what is faith? It's just believing what God has said. That he'll do it. If he says he'll do it, then you know he's going to do it. And you just stay with that, thanking God, right? Thanking him for the answer, because by faith, it's done. By faith, it's done. You know, there there was a man one time, his name was Paul Yogi Cho. He was a pastor in South Korea. He had started a house church, had about six people in it. And it, it started growing and it got to ten and it got to fifteen. And one week he started preaching and he closed his eyes and he was hollering. I know you can't identify with somebody that would preach like that. But he was hollering in his living room and he was so loud. And one of the members was holding their ears and when he opened his eyes they said, Pastor, why do you scream? You are so loud. We you are you are too loud in this living room. He said, I'm sorry. God gave me a vision of a thousand, and every time I close my eyes, that's what I see. As far as he was concerned, he was trying to project his voice to preach to a thousand, even though right now they were only 12. I like what Brother Wayne used to say about this church when he pastored here, and somebody said, so how many are you running now, Brother Wayne? Or how many many you got, Brother Wayne? He said, well, we got a thousand, but I only got about 200 of them corralled up right now. He's speaking by faith. God showed me he wants this church to run a thousand. And right now I've just got 200 of them corralled up. But we're headed toward a thousand. You know, works would make you think that you needed to do something in order to try to draw those people in. But faith says God will draw them in. Jesus said if I be lifted up, I'll draw them in. And so faith believes what God has said Works tries to make it happen through, the, through a human means. So Hebrews 11.1 one says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And as you well know, when you look in the Bible, faith shows up in two places. It shows up as a gift of the Spirit, and it shows up as a fruit of the Spirit. So faith is in both places. And faith as a fruit is found in this particular verse as the substance of things hoped for. We, we talked about this last week, but we'll talk about it again tonight. If you just turn about two pages over, you'll come to the book of James. About two pages, you'll be in the book of James. Are you there? James chapter 2. We're talking about faith is the substance of things hoped for. And in James chapter 2, verse 14 we find these words. What does it profit, brethren, though a man says he has faith and has not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and be filled, notwithstanding you give them not the things that are needful for the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. So, how do you show your faith to someone who is in need and you have the ability to meet that need. How do you demonstrate faith in that particular case? You meet their need because it's the substance of things hoped for. The substance, it's God, it's, it's the demonstration of God's faithfulness. I know that if I meet your need, God will supply my need. You know, most of you, if you have a job, Every two weeks, every week, every month, they put something in your hand because most of us work for money. Anybody here not work for money? Well, <laughs> you work for his money. <laughs> we work for money. And so we put in a week or two weeks worth of labor, worth of works, because what do we know is going to happen every other Friday? They're going to put a check in my hand. So in a sense, I'm dependent upon the faithfulness of that company to meet my need. And I expend things during the week because I'm dependent on the faithfulness of that company to once again put more money in my hand so that I can expend it on needs the next week. And that's the same thing in a spiritual sense that we believe with God. We believe in God's faithfulness. He said, he said that uh, he'll supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And he said that I can learn and no matter what state I'm in, and Texas is still a state, I can believe in whatever state I'm in to, to be content. And so what, they, what God tells me is that if I see someone that's in, that's in a bind, that's a Christian, And they're having a difficult time making their light bill because this month the light bill was $145 and they had to expend money on medicines and other things and they came up a little bit short and I find out about it and I just happen to have $200 bills in my billfold that are just sitting there gathering dust and I find out about it, I should be able to go over them and say, hey, now I have to be sure they're going to spend the money on their light bill. You got me? But if it's a Christian brother and I can trust him And I go up to him and I say Here, use this to pay your light bill I want you to then, then that's a work that's of faith Because I'm believing That just like God put those $200 bills In my pocket last week Then when next time I comes around He's going to do it again And I'm also believing that if I come up short He'll supply my needs somehow or another And that's belief in God's faithfulness God is faithful to do exceeding abundantly above what I can ask or think if I let the power of faith work within me. If I let God open up doors to where I can be faithful not only with my finances but with my time, with my, with my forgiveness, with my love, with my affections, with the things that I know are important. If I see a, a, a friend that's that needs somebody to sit down and talk to him. then I need to be willing to give up my time to sit down and talk to him because I know God's going to expand my time to where I can get everything I need to get done because God's faithful. You say, well, can he do that? I don't know. Maybe we should ask Joshua. Joshua says, I need an extra, tw- I need an extra 24 hours, God, to win this battle. And the Lord says, that's fine. I'll just stop the sun and the moon. I'll give you your time. So if he can do that for Joshua, then surely he can help me gain five minutes that I might spend talking to somebody. God is faithful. And by believing in his faithfulness, then I'm willing to do works of faith to demonstrate my faith in him. Does that make sense? So the second one is, substance of things hoped for, the second one is the evidence of things not seen. And that speaks of God's faith, the evidence or of the gift of faith. The evidence of things not seen. So, if we go back to James chapter 2, we find the second example of faith. The first one is the fruit of faith. The second one is the gift of faith. We find in verse uh, 21, it says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See thou how fakes wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect and the scripture which was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was put in him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. How much did Abraham believe God in regard to Isaac? Completely. How completely? Go back to Hebrews 11. Turn back a couple of pages. Back to Hebrews 11. And let's see how much Abraham trusted God had faith in God for the miraculous gift of faith. Let's, let's look at it, if I can find it. 17, Hebrews eleven seventeen. 17. This is talking about how much God, Abraham trusted God that God would, would be, would, would, how much faith he put in God in regards to the sacrifice of Isaac. By faith, Abraham, are you with me? I want you to see this. You with me? 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That's the promise. That's the promise. So Abraham believed the promise, and he demonstrated his belief in that promise by being willing to sacrifice Isaac. So the promise is the seed's going to be called in Isaac. But then he said to sacrifice Isaac, and this is what Abraham believed, accounting that God was able to raise up Isaac from the dead from whence he also received him in a figure. So Abraham believed that if he killed that boy and if he burned him as a sacrifice because God promised him that through that seed was going to come his, his, his generation He believed that God could put those ashes back together and stand that boy back up. That is the gift of faith. That is not normal. That is not something that you would say, oh, great, Lord, yeah, let's do it. That is something that burns in your spirit that says, God... I know you're speaking to me and I know what you promised me and I'm going to put my confidence in you and I'm going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to do what you said you were going to do even if you have to raise this boy. You know, Abraham didn't hesitate. If you read that story, God spoke to Abraham in the evening and in the morning he's saddling donkeys. He didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to fast about it. He didn't have to go burn a bunch of incense. He didn't have to go wander around in the wilderness. He, God spoke to him in the evening. He got up in the morning and they're saddling donkeys on their way out. That's the confidence that he had in God. By faith, he believed that God, if he had to, would raise up that boy from the ashes and stand him back up beside that altar. Didn't he demonstrate that? Isaac said what? Isaac said, Here's the wood, here's the knife. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And then when he left, he told the people, Me and the boy are going up. Now, he's not a boy. He's about 25 years old. He's He's not six. He's about 25 years old. He said, Me and the lad are going to go yonder to worship, and then what? Then we will return. That's, how, that's the justification of faith. That's, that's eating off the tree of faith because the tree of works would have tried to find some way around it. The lamb is slaughtered. The lamb is slaughtered in faith. The goat bucks and kicks and fights and paws on the ground. But the lamb lays down to be slaughtered. The goat fights. So, where are we? Knowledge. Does anybody have any questions? everybody good I feel good oh I feel so good <clears throat> everybody good anybody have any questions okay so now we're going to talk about we talked about faith we talked about the importance of eating off the tree of faith of, of not of, of uh, life that whenever you ate off that tree in faith then the thing that God said was going to happen, happened. What, what was supposed to happen when Adam and Eve would have eaten off that tree of life? What was supposed to happen with them? They were given eternal life. How did they know that? They knew that by living it every day. They didn't take the fruit and say, Oh, ta-da, I've got eternal life. They didn't say that. They didn't feel anything if they would have eaten off of it. Because in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in heaven... Um, there, the, the tree of life is in heaven it, It's in uh, Revelation 22 Changes fruit every month We'll be eating of it there um, So that's that's a thing of faith you just, you just know You know that you know that you know But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil We find on your sheet In its simplest terms Knowledge is a system of education That enables us to help ourselves So Let's go back to Genesis. We're going to look at knowledge here for just a moment. Since y'all are so good on faith, we're going to bounce over here to knowledge. So the, the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you go to Genesis 3, are you there? He says, Now the serpent was more subtle, cunning, deceiving, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Did God tell them not to touch it? Did God tell them not to touch it? He told them not to eat of it. He didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat of it. And this is one of the tricks that the devil uses against us to try to push us into eating of the tree of knowledge because he'll put us in a position to where we make God sound more cruel than what than, than God is. God's not cruel, but we make him sound cruel. We make him sound unreasonable. And once we do that, then our faith physical mind starts to say, well, that's not reasonable. Why would God want me not to do that? Let's read on, and you'll see it. Uh, Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat thereof that your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw, number one, that the tree was good for food, number two, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and number three, a tree desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave it to her husband with her and he did eat. So there was three things that, that she re- reasoned in her mind that was necessary. One of them was that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh. The devil told Jesus on his temptation, turn these stones into bread whenever he hadn't eaten for 40 days, the lust of the flesh. The second thing is it was pleasant to the eyes lust of the eyes and the third thing was a tree des- desired to make one wise like a God isn't that what the devil told her do you remember why the devil got kicked out of heaven he wanted to be God he wanted to be God and it got him kicked out of heaven so he convinced Eve that God it's just a he's just a cruel God and he don't want you to know what he knows and it started because she went too far and made God sound cruel. And when she did that, the devil took on that and he said, see there, he don't want you to eat it. He don't want you to be like him. And so she said, hey, this will be good if, it, if it'll make me like a God. This, that's pretty cool. And so she took of it. So the tree of knowledge is always um, working in three areas. Good for food, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, Pleasant to the eyes, lust to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise as God's, which is the pride of life. Now, you're in Genesis. I like going between New Testament and Old Testament because if you just it, the Bible always proves itself. If you've got to go outside the Bible to get proof, then you're probably wrong. The Bible always interprets itself. So, there's Genesis. Let's go to 1 John. All the way in the back. If you're not sure where it's at, go to Revelation. That's your last book. And come back, Jude, 3 John, Second John, 1 John. So let's go to 1 John. All the way in the back. So we're going to go from Genesis to the back. 1 John. 1 John. This book was written about 98 A.D. By John... The apostle. And he wrote in this book, he wrote um, in verse uh, 15, chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. How do I know if I love the world? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world pass away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Same three things that we found in Eve in Genesis. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. is still evident about 4,000 years later when John's writing his gospel. And those things invoke us to begin to use works to try to obtain the righteousness of God instead of faith. Are you still with me? Did I lose anybody? I, I realize this is kind of deep. I know that. So, y'all are y'all are pretty smart. If I'm impressed. So let's go to. Let's, let's go some other place, one more place, and I want to show you what happens whenever you begin to work the works of God by using the works of men. So let's go to Ezekiel. That's Old Testament book. If you turn to the middle, that's probably going to be Psalms, then you've got Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, then you've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Ezekiel. Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel 16, if I was to ask you right now before we read this scripture, if I were to ask you, what was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? 99.9% of the people in this room and in the community would say the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was homosexuality. That was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why God destroyed them, because they're a bunch of Sodomites. We even has the word sodomite to demonstrate what they, were, what they were known for. So that's what we would say is that they were destroyed because of homosexuality. So let's read Ezekiel 16, 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. This was the sin, the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. What is it? Pride? Pride? fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before them. Therefore I took them away as I saw good. So the sin of Sodom culminated in homosexuality, the abomination. That was the stem that you saw above the ground. That's what you saw But the roots of that stem was not homosexuality. It was pride. Number one, pride. They had no fear of God. So therefore, they did whatever their hearts desired. They had no fear of God. Number two, they were fullness of bread. They had no need for God. Number three, they had abundance of idleness. They had no desire to work for the Lord. And number four, was they had neglected the poor and the needy. They had no love for mankind. And because those four things, those four works of the flesh were within their culture, it created all the other things that they're known for. The Bible says in Romans that when they they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but they rejected him. They rejected faith, and they accepted works. And because they accepted those works, the Bible says, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. And all the things that, all the things that came out of Pandora's box, if you would, all began to come out because they rejected faith in God and they embraced works. And those works eventually made them proud, which, which, and, and all the other things that went along with that because of the works that they did and the rejection of the faith in God. Y'all still with me? Y'all had enough? Anybody ready to cry calf rope? Had enough? Oh, Brother Scott, this is your driving. You may give, you give me a headache. I'm confused. What are you talking about? I'm talking about having faith in God and not having faith in works. Let, let's go one other place. Let's go back in the back of your Bible to Revelation. Isn't this fun? I love this. This is I love this. This is how I spend my day. <laughs> Some days. Not every day. Let's look. Let's look at the seven churches of Asia. So chapter one is John seeing the risen Christ and at the end of the chapter God talks about the seven stars being the seven pastors of the churches of Asia. And in those seven churches, he gives us a process of a church moving from the Ephesus to Laodicea. So let's look at the process that God gives us. He comes to the first one. It's the church of Ephesus. If you go to Chapter 2, the first church is the church of Ephesus. If you read in there, you'll find out that in verse um, 4, he says, I have somewhat against you because you've lost your first love. So the first love causes us to always work on faith because we want to please God. But when you lose that first love, then you can let small foxes enter in. What was the small fox that entered in to the church at Ephesus. It's found in verse 6. But this thou hast, that they hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So they hated them, but they still knew about the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now when you get to the deeds of the Nicolaitans, they had two major premises. Number one is they were idolatrous. And number two, they believed in fornication within the church. So if I wanted to have somebody else's wife as long as it was within the church because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, amen? That's the deeds of the Nicolaitines. And the church at Ephesus hated them, but they were still there. Those deeds of the Nicolaitines if you go down to Pergamos which is in verse um, where's that? 12 if you go to Pergamos, go with me to verse 15. In Pergamos, and in Pergamos it says, uh, let's go to let's let's look at 14. For I have a few things against thee, because thou hast them there that hold the doctrine of Balaam, that taught Balak to cast a stumbling stone before the children of Israel, and to each things sacrificed to idols, and to commit fornication, so has them also the them that hold the is it deeds of the Nicolaitans doctrine. Oh, it's become doctrine now. We've let the deeds slip a generation and now the deeds of the previous generation have now become doctrine in our church. And there are things that you would say, oh, you've got to be kidding me. But because of the works that we've been doing and because God seemingly is still blessing us, then we start to believe it's okay. I can still feel the Lord. I'm doing things that I did before I got saved, but when I come to church, I still feel the Lord. So it must be okay, because I still feel Jesus. <clears throat> I didn't get an amen for that. I thought I'd get at least one amen. So the deeds became a doctrine in Pergamos, and then what happened in Thyatira? Whenever you got that as a doctrine, what happens then? Well, when you get to Thyatira, which is the next church, and go to verse 20, he says, I have a few things against you because you suffered that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to deduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Now not only have they adopted the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, they've taken them a step further. Now they've got a woman up there teaching it from the pulpit. What happens next? Once you got that going on, and your work doing, you're doing works. You're doing works. everything's still, you know, they're still still church. They're still called a church, right? They're still they're still doing the works in the of the church. They're still being a part of the church. You know the church is still meeting every week. We're still we're still singing. Michael's still pounding on that old Martin up there. We're still we're still worshiping with him. We got things still going on. But we're so far away from God. It's not even funny because now we've embraced we've embraced things that are totally involved in works, totally become consumed with works. No more faith. All works. And what happens? Well, as a matter of fact, if you look at if you look at Thyatira, verse 19. I know thy works charity service faith patience and works and the last works to be more than the first works so they're just doing more and more works you know a lot of a lot of churches at christmas time take up lots of presents put together lots of stuff and they go out and they find little poor kids or kids in the street and they give it to them at Christmas time. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? At Christmas time? Do we do it to try to make them feel better? Or do we do it to make ourselves feel better? Do we do it to say, hey, look what I'm doing, man? I've given money and I bought I bought presents for all these poor little kids, and we're gonna give it to them so they can have a good Christmas. Well, what about the first week of the year? What about what about whenever they start the school and they don't have school clothes? What about the rest of the year? If you were doing it for them in faith, believing and being the hands and feet of God, don't you think you would do it more than just around a holiday that makes you feel good because you did something for those poor, poor kids? I think I'm meddling now. I feel like, I feel like that's meddling. Is that meddling? Your works to be more than the first. And, huh? Oh, is it? Yeah. It's good works. But it's still works that exalt the flesh. And and if you keep doing that, then chapter 3, chapter 3 goes from Thyatira to Sardis. And he says in Sardis 3, verse 1, these things saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works... And that you have a name, that you live, but what are you? Dead. 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 Jude said they're twice dead, plucked up by the roots, dead physically and dead spiritually. They no longer feel. What do did, what did we have in, 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 uh, in, in, in Sodom? They cared not for the poor and needy. They didn't feel anything. They have no desire to work for God. They don't feel the love of God anymore. But buddy, they're out there passing out those gifts at Christmas. Praise God. We're ministering to those poor kids, ministering to those poor families, helping them be better because we're a good people. But spiritually, you're dead. And what happens if that continues? Go to Laodicea with me. Verse 15 and to the church of the Laodiceans, he writes, I know thy works, I know your works, that you're neither what? Cold nor hot. So because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, think about Sodom, bundleless of idleness, fullness of bread. Because you're rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, and you don't know, that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And when you get to verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and... Why is he standing at the door knocking? Because he's not in the church. He's trying to get into his church. And all of that started with works. Are you with me? To do the works of God in faith that brings glory to God makes a man stronger in his faith for God and makes a man more fruitful in his faith for God. But to do works for the knowledge of simply doing the work or simply to make it, make it look good or to make something happen, to take the, the things of God and put them in your own hand and try to make them happen by works doesn't promote you that eating off that tree of knowledge like that will eventually cause you to die. And it could cause you to be so far outside of God that you think that you're killing Christians and doing the work of the Lord. Isn't that what Paul thought? He's out there stoning Stephen thinking he's doing the work of God. He's on his way to Damascus to kill them all. <laughs> when the Lord says, hey, Paul, don't," isn't this kind of tough? <laughs> don't you find it hard to kick him like that, you know? But he thought he was doing the will of God. So. In closing. I wanted to close with this story. John chapter 20. Next week we'll do something more fun. I think this is fun. I hope you're enjoying it. John chapter 20. We're going to end right here. Faith versus works. Faith versus works. John chapter 20. Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. He's appeared to his disciples. Thomas wasn't there. We go to verse 24. Are you with me? John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, and that word Didymus means a twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, What? Except I see his hands in the print of his nails. And put my finger and put my finger in the print of his nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. So what is he dependent upon in order to believe in Jesus? Faith or works? Faith. Works. He's saying, "Unless I stick my hand in his hand and see the nail, or I thrust my fist in his side, I'm not going to believe." After eight days. Disciples were within and Thomas was with them and Jesus came to the door being shut and stood in the midst and said peace be still. Then he said to Thomas reach hither your finger behold my hands reach hither my side thrust it in be not faithless but believing Jesus said unto him because you've seen me you believed. Blessed are they which have not seen yet have believed. If we're going to please the Lord if we're going to move forward in him if we're going to grow in what God has called us to do and to be, then it has to be by faith. When God gives us a task to do and we are confident that it is God, or God gives us an answer to a prayer and we are confident that it is of God, then faith continually thanks God, even he calls those things that are not as though they were. Abraham called himself a father of many nations when he had no children. How did he do that? By faith. Sarah called herself a princess among nations when she had no kids. Why did she do that? By faith. Because God said it, and God doesn't lie, and I'm not going to stop believing. So, faith causes us to grow in the Lord. Faith causes us to walk with Him. Faith causes us to believe things that are the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith causes us to see a church that's full when the church is not full. Faith causes us to see ourselves as healed whenever the disease still exists. Faith causes us to see our situation changed whenever the situation's not changed. God causes us through faith to see marriages put back together when it looks like they're coming apart. God causes us to see money being supplied instead of bankruptcy when bankruptcy looks imminent. Faith helps us to understand that God heals our body when the doctor tells us it's hopeless. Faith is the thing that causes us to walk with God when everything else looks like it's falling apart. Our faith in God keeps us moving forward and whenever we stand before God, it'll be our faith that we have accomplished through our works by that faith that stand the test of our rewards in heaven. Because things you do outside of faith are going to burn like wood, hay, and stubble. Anybody have any questions or comments? Huh? Oh, no. You know, when I do a Bible study like this, I always think about Brother Earl. Finished a Bible study about like this one one time, and, except I did it in one session, one session instead of two. And at the end of it, I asked Brother Earl, I said, I said what would you think about that? He said, how long did you study on that? I said, about six hours. He said, and you want me to get it in 45 minutes? <laughs> well, that's true. I guess that's true. <laughs> so, keep your sheet, think about it, but faith and works. Questions, comments? By faith, by faith. You know, I, and, and and I know it's time to go, but but I, I used I used to think that I needed to study the word and know it so well that if anybody asked me a question, I could say that's John sixteen twenty one, or if anybody asked me a question, I'd say oh that's that's Psalms fifty six seven, and, and I still want to know it that well, but what I've what I've discovered is that I don't have to try to memorize the whole book what I have to do is be faithful in what God has given me to do be faithful in study and be faithful in reading and whenever the time comes and somebody asks me a question and I need to answer it then the Holy Spirit quickens that scripture to my mind I may not know exactly where it's at but I know what the scripture says and, I, and and it's not because I've sat there and memorized the whole Bible. It's because I've studied to show myself approved. I've, I've read it. I've, I've looked at it. I've thought about it. I've, and and the, But it's the Holy Spirit. It's faith in God. Knowing that he will, isn't that what the Bible says? When they bring you before kings and magistrates, don't spend your time trying to figure out what to say. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will give you utterance that they cannot contend with. When they brought, oh, when they brought Paul, when they brought Paul before the before the uh, before uh, Felix or no before that before uh, Lysia Julius, when they brought him before Julius, and they began to accuse him, he just said, "Hey." He looked at him, and then he said, "I'm being judged for the resurrection of the dead." And they pulled themselves apart, and then they took him and they brought him to Festus. And, and God gave him an answer there with Festus, and then he got before Agrippa, and he, God gave him an answer with Agrippa, and, and God, and that's faith. That's faith, knowing that I don't have to. I don't have to get a lawyer, and, and, and it's not bad to get a lawyer, but I don't have to. I don't have my. I don't have to have my defense planned like a Philadelphia lawyer in order for God to be able to do something. I just have to walk in there by faith, having done the proper study. And I don't, we won't be stupid, but having done the proper study, go in there, and God will quicken my mind to the right answers. Okay, we need to, I need to let y'all go home. Stand with me tonight if you would. I hope this wasn't too heavy. Enjoyed it? Okay. I, if anybody has questions, I, I'm available because I know sometimes this is a little bit, this, this is, this is, this is kind of meat. This isn't milk. This is meat. This is kind of digging in, growing stuff. And so if anybody has any questions, I'm available. And if I can't answer it, we'll, we'll turn it over to Kathy and she'll take care of it for us. Cause she loves these kind of studies this is her favorite I'm, I'm just joking I'm just playing I'm being sarcastic Heavenly Father thank you Almighty God Lord for the opportunity Lord to study your word thank you Lord God for your direction and now Lord God we pray thy kingdom come thy will be done Lord God Father may you guide us in faith believing Lord God may you guide us in faith O God to study your word may you guide us in faith O God to be faithful And may you guide us, oh God, to grow in you through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. And we thank you for your word that you've given it to us. May we make it a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. Huh?